Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, that's happening right now, actually. Source says They're... Packers are, in fact, the likely landing spot for former Pro Bowl linebacker Jalen Smith. They are finalizing details. Oh, shit. So yeah, it sounds like uh, yeah, it sounds like the Packers are grabbing Jalen Smith. So we talked about this, like we talked about it in in our group chat. Um, for me, I was like, you know, why not take a flyer? I mean, there's really, you know, yeah. I mean, why not? There's no, there's really no downside to taking a flyer on it, especially with um, Chris Barnes still being on the injury report. He's still listed as questionable. So um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we might as well just uh, jump right in. So, welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Uh, Jake and I are getting getting started talking a little bit already about the Packers. Jake's uh, Jake's flexing the Parker Johns. I got it on my sleeve here, too. Um, Live show Thursday. I almost said Wednesday. It's not a Wednesday. (laughs) Thursday, November 4th, 6.30 at the Green Bay Parker Johns. Jake and I will be there. We're planning to do some fun stuff. Um, going to be a lot of Packers discussion going on that day. Uh, we're still going to do our regular Wednesday show that week. It's just going to be um, Bucks. Hopefully, we're still talking about the Brewers at the beginning of November and Badgers on the Wednesday. And then the Thursday show will be our live show in Green Bay. And that day is going to be all about the Packers. So if you are a Packers fan, come and hang out with us at the Green Bay Parker Johns. And we are going to jump into... Packers and Steelers recap. So let's kick it off, Jake. Let's. Uh, I'm going to talk about the offense of the defense for the Packers first. Let's go offense first, and I'm, I want to hear right. your opinion. I want to bounce off you this week. Oh, you want to bounce off me this week? All right. Well, yes, yes. Sir, for yes. me, the Packers offense. The word that I would use to describe them this week is efficient. Um. Rodgers was efficient with the ball with the passing game. Um, actually, one of my three stars, I'll just go ahead and throw it out there. My third star of the week was A.J. Dillon. Um, okay. For the reason that, you know, even aside from most of his rushing production being, you know, late in the game, what having a guy like A.J. Dillon who falls forward, which, you know, those extra couple yards when you're getting into situations where you just need to keep the first downs to keep the clock going, not only does that benefit the offense and the obvious reasons of keeping you know Pittsburgh off the field, but that also allows the Packers to save Aaron Jones. And that was a big deal for me. That's why I have A.J. Dillon as one of my three stars is because his production and ball security, falling forward, the getting extra yards, um, the, just the pushing the pile, all of that, in addition to being um, able to save Aaron Jones by using a guy like A.J. Dillon. So AJ Dillon will be my third star. I'll give you my second star was Randall Cobb. And my first star was Devondre Campbell. Jake, I don't know if you want to rattle your three off and then we'll keep talking about the offense. Okay. So my third star is actually the punter, which I feel like (laughs) we need our special teams uh, specialist here. Uh, Corey Bajorquez. Um, He has 
13 punts this year, five inside the 20. That is very nice. He is, is that more than J.K. Scott had all of last year? J- I actually wrote that down because I knew you were going to ask that because I was interested too. <laughs> J.K. Scott had 15 inside the 20, but he hey. had not near the average. Um, Right now, he's a – 11th and average at 47.5, which is very nice. You can, And he had one in the game, actually, on Sunday. Uh, I was at my dad's house, and we were all watching the game. And he had one where we kind of stalled out on the drive, and it was kind of the lull of the game in the third quarter, and he completely flipped the field. And I'm like, that. That was out of the fun. end zone. He punted yeah. that out of the end zone. That was like a 60-yard punt. Yeah, and he punted it all the way to, what was it, like the, the 35, 35 or something? Yeah. yeah, that was like a 65-yard punt out of the end zone. When you can have a punter as a tool for your team instead of, you know, a handicap, it's a very, very nice thing. So yeah, that I'm was beautiful. really happy about that. Uh, my second star is the same as yours, Randall Cobb. Um, five catches, 69 yards, nice. Dude, and two hey, touchdowns. you want know something really funny about that? What's was up? Aaron Rodgers' 420th touchdown gave him 69 yards. Yeah, dude, that's just... Somebody posted that on Twitter. And they said Rogers four twenty um, touchdown. The thing that I really like Cobb sixty nine yards, and I'm like, this is the kind of reporting I want to see. <laughs> For real, dude. Um, he four of his five receptions were on third down, and when you said the word efficient, it immediately made me think of the Packers third down conversion rate. Oh, we're going to talk a lot about the Packers on third down today. Yeah, nine nine of fifteen on third down is absolutely phenomenal. Just wait till we get to the Bengals preview. I'm gonna hammer on third down. Okay, okay, I'm ready for that. Yeah, um, a little foreshadowing. My, my number one star was Rashawn Gary. Um, he had six tackles, four solo, and the sack he had. I'm sorry, I may be the only one. I hope I'm not, but he looked like the old number fifty-two. Dude, he. That play, that was that was a man's play right there. He went yeah. over and through an offensive lineman to go get that sack. Yeah, that was absolutely a man play. Uh, let's see what's Wilkins called. Jalen Smith, a Packer. Let's effing go. We are going to try to cut down on the swearing, by the way, because that's probably not appropriate. Um, Cowboys paid his contract, too, from what I'm reading. And our third down defense just got better. Um personal opinion i don't think we're taking campbell off of third down linebacker play because he's nope. been so good so jalen smith will be a two down linebacker he'll help in early pass coverage and, and run defense but yep. now barnes has competition that's exactly how i look at it yep he, yeah, he's not I taking mean, campbell off the field yeah campbell's yeah campbell is number one and i have it yeah. in my notes that he's really improved uh game to game and now he's really becoming like a focal point of the defense where it's like, you know, Hey, we have, we don't, we might have something here. Um, He's doing, he's doing well in coverage. He's sure tackling. And I mean, can you really ask for something more than that out of your middle linebacker for the Packers? Like that's all we've wanted for what three years since the floor got here was a middle linebacker that could tackle and not get just absolutely left behind by George Kittle in coverage. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I didn't personally care for Campbell after the Saints game, but, I mean, was there anybody we were really excited about from that game? Not really. So what, what Campbell has done 
since then is nothing but improve. So the Jalen Smith edition, it's it's a it, honestly it's a depth move. Um, he's not jumping into the starting lineup. He's not going to be the starting linebacker in the Bengals game. Um, honestly, wouldn't shock me if he's inactive for that game. Um, just because right now Barnes is questionable. So if um, I don't think Jalen Smith's going to be up to the system that quickly because that was why he was released from Dallas was because he didn't fit their defensive system. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if he's not playing this Sunday um, just because actually Oren Burks played pretty solid this week. So Oren Burks, you know, his impact is more on special teams, but um, you know, he's doing his job. So I don't think that Jalen Smith is going to immediately um, take over a starting role even if Chris Barnes isn't healthy. Jake, still with me? Maybe, maybe not. All right, I'll try taking him off and bringing him back on. All right, well, we'll see if I can get Jake back. But with the Packers offense, the other things besides Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb that I was looking at was um, the third and four play with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I saw a lot of people questioning why Rodgers didn't take off and try to get that third or that first down pickup, why he slid down. This was a third and four play, and there was about two minutes and seven seconds left when Rodgers slid. Now, two minutes and seven seconds third down for the Packers Rogers slides down instead of trying to jump or dive or lunge for the first down. And what happens is the clock ticks down to the two minute warning. The Packers punt. Now the situation here is the Packers are up by 10 points. Pittsburgh has zero timeouts. Even if they go and run down and score a touchdown immediately, the Packers still get the ball back and then just have to kneel the clock out. So for me in that situation, looking at the third down play, Rodgers sliding is a smart move, especially given the fact that it's only week four. So week four, when you're coming out of a game, you're getting the win no matter what. Like I said, even if Pittsburgh goes and scores a touchdown, you're getting the ball back and you just have to kneel it out. Pittsburgh has no way to stop the clock. What you want to do is get out of that game healthy. You already know you have the win. It's not week 17. You're not fighting for the division. You're coming away with a win. Just get the just get the down. Keep the clock moving down to the two-minute warning. Punt the ball away. Keep Aaron Rodgers healthy. That was the main takeaway for me from that play. Uh, I already mentioned A.J. Dillon and being able to to save Aaron Jones but not having to have him out there for the whole fourth quarter. So that was useful from A.J. Dillon. Um, Jake brought up Randall Cobb and his uh, chemistry with Aaron Rodgers already. So that was a lot of things um, in weeks one and two where Randall Cobb wasn't quite as involved and people were wondering, oh, why did we let GM Aaron Rodgers bring back Randall Cobb if the Packers aren't even going to use him? They're using him more. Devontae Adams talked about it in his press conference today that when he first came back, he kind of acclimated himself and reacclimated himself to the team, to the roster, and let some of the other guys get to know him better before he started speaking up. So Randall Cobb, his role is going to continue to increase. Uh, he's increasing his role as a leader, as a mentor for some of the younger guys. 
Uh, obviously, his chemistry with Aaron Rodgers is already there. And he said he takes pride in the third down role. Um, that's something that when we did the Packers primer, we knew we were getting Randall Cobb back was that he was going to be very, very useful in third down situations. And that um, it showed a little too well on the one play where Randall Cobb tried to make a, a Jordan logo catch uh, when Devontae Adams was right behind him. Obviously, he didn't know Devontae was right there, but um, the announcers even talked about it during the game that they both understand <clears throat> so well what Rodgers wants in that situation, and they both found that open spot on the field, and they were both in the right spot at the right time. And um, obviously, Randall uh, Cobb tried to make a, a crazy play on a ball that was intended for Devontae Adams, but um, obviously ended up not mattering because the Packers were able to win the game anyways. But um, I think that was about all I had on the offense. If Jake gets back in here, he's uh, reloading his stuff, so – um, I'll ask him if he has anything else that he wants to talk about with the offense, but moving to the defensive side of the ball, I already mentioned it when I talked about Devondre Campbell and having a middle linebacker that you can rely on, uh, is that the whole team actually tackled really well. Um, wasn't a ton of broken tackles, even on Najee Harris, who, um, definitely going to be a volume running back. Um, they, they really tackled well. I already mentioned Oren Burks. He had six tackles, half a sack. Devondre Campbell had eight tackles. Eric Stokes had eight tackles and his first career interception. Um, Eric Stokes is being targeted a lot and he's, he's giving up receptions, but what he's not doing is getting beat over the top. So that's going to be the difference between him and Kevin King is that Kevin King, he gives up the long receptions, but Stokes keeps everything in front of him. So Eric Stokes fits kind of more of a bend don't break type of defense where uh, Kevin King is basically, you know, if a guy runs by me, I'm not catching up to him. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. I do believe that even if Jair Alexander is healthy, that Eric Stokes will be the number two cornerback. Even if Kevin King is healthy and Jair is healthy, Eric Stokes has passed him on the depth chart officially. Um, Jake, I just finished talking about the offense. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add. Uh, I talked about Randall Cobb's third downs. Uh, I've talked about A.J. Dillon and just the efficiency as a whole and then um, the chemistry that Cobb and Adams have with Rodgers. So I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add to the offense. Um, mainly just probably the offensive line just really holding up the last two weeks against two of the premier young pass rushers in the league, you know. Um, I mean, we got Bosa in San Francisco, and then we face Watt. Uh, Watt's one of the best. And I think Rodgers' poise under pressure is something that, you know, everybody knows about, but doesn't get enough credit, you know, like, you know, Rogers always on third down. He's always been Mr. Money, Mr. Money down. And he ran for that first touchdown. And, you know, from there, it's, you know, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers in the offense and we're just scoring points and making it easier on the defense. So if we get anything out of Jalen Smith, you know, going back to that and he helps us improve at all, well, we're going to be a problem, baby. So, and what I was just talking about was the the team as a whole was tackling well. I mentioned yeah. Devondre Campbell, eight tackles. Eric Stokes, eight tackles. Uh, Oren Burke, six tackles, half a sack. You already talked about Rashawn Gary and his sack. Yeah. Um, the, just the tackling well. And then I was talking about Eric Stokes. Even though he gives up a lot of receptions, he's also being targeted a ton. Uh, he's yeah. given up a lot of receptions, but what he's doing is he's keeping everything in front of him. Yes, sir. He's not allowing receivers to get behind him to give up those big plays. So while he does give up 
you know, a good amount of catches is he's keeping everything in front and he's sure tackling. And that's something that Devondre Campbell is doing really well in coverage too is um, we saw it a lot with Hawkinson where he'd, you know, make a catch three or four yards from the line of scrimmage and then immediately tackled. Guys aren't getting yards after the catch and limiting yards after the catch is one of those things that doesn't show up in a, you know, in a box score or something like that, but that really, really helps your team. And when we talk about the Bengals game, it helps you get off the field. So something else that we can bring up is the Packers on 33 carries had 131 rush yards and Dylan was 81 of that one of your stars and the Steelers had 62 rush yards total. That's something that is, you know, we talked, I talked about the offensive line being young and inexperienced and basically just bad. And Ryan brought it up and, and we all brought up how the Steelers O line isn't the same and nobody's really scared of big Ben, you know, they have injuries banged up wide receivers and stuff. So, to hold Najee Harris, who's really their best offensive tool right now in check, I mean, that's something that should be, you know, pat yourself in the back because that's good stuff, you know. 62 yeah, rush yards is good. That's it's going to be a week. similar situation talking about offenses when we talk about the Bengals, yes. about their players. So um, what else did you see from the Packers defense before we move into um, some preview? I'm liking the aggressiveness. I think we're, uh, you know, the first the first week, you know, we talked about it a billion times already. We got pushed around. And I think the physicality of this team is really, really, really stepped up. And that's something that I'm really enjoying is it feels like we're attacking them and they're not attacking us. We're not in our heels the whole time, you know. So having us attack first, get at the quarterback, stop the run, and like you said with Stokes, basically keep everything in front of us, that – has helped tremendously you know all the good defenses do that same type of stuff they're the ones dictating the pace of the game I always go back to this because you know this is just examples that I've seen growing up you know you watch all those old Ravens defenses you know or Ray Lewis and stuff and I'm not saying we have Hall of Famers like that but they really dictated the pace of how they wanted to play they would literally put six guys on the left side of the offensive line and be like Listen, either all of us are coming or one of us is coming or none of us. And the offensive line, like the right tackle and right guard are just looking over there like, how am I supposed to get over there? Pittsburgh did that a little bit to the Packers this week, actually. Right. And And then the Packers started doing it to Pittsburgh. It's like it's – and Pittsburgh is a physical team. They're known for physicality. They're well coached. Yeah, historically and now. And, like, they're just known as, like, a grinded-out kind of team. So, for the Packers to really bring the punch to them, that's – that's something that I'm enjoying and why me and you love watching the Badgers defense, you know, mm-hmm. so much is because they bring the boom, man. And that's something that we like. Absolutely. And that, that the aggressiveness is what um, honestly is what makes the sport of football fun to watch. Yeah. Especially on, you know, it's on both sides of the field. I mean, um, you know, seeing aggressive offenses and aggressive defenses. I mean, it's, it's really what makes the game fun to watch. So everybody knows what the Packers have in their offense. So let's start with the offense against the Bengals' defense. And we know what we have in the offense. So let's talk about the offense first. Jake, what are you looking at for the Packers' offense versus the Bengals' defense here? So I wrote down all the rankings. Sorry, I'm trying to – my laptop is being weird today, so I'm on the phone, actually. Oh, Um, I couldn't tell. I I thought maybe you just had a – the camera is following you around everywhere. No, 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 no. no. I'm on the phone here and (laughs) – it's kind of a little bit more comfortable. I'm not gonna lie. I gotta move around and do my own thing. Um, you should just get. Hey, you should just get one of those neck things so you can put your phone and just have it like right here, and it'll just follow you everywhere. 
I, I mean, I would. I'm, I'm for that. I don't know if anybody wants to look that closely at my face, though. <laughs> um, the Bengals are actually surprisingly good on defense, man. Uh, they're seventh in total yards, 13th in pass, ninth in rush, and eighth in points right now. So the Bengals are out here playing defense. They're hitting people. Um, but they haven't really played a lot of good offenses. So that's, you know, that's the the other side of the spectrum because there's two sides of every story, right? So we got Aaron Rodgers, who's in control of everything in every, every single situation, right? It doesn't really matter who you have over there because Aaron Rodgers is in control whether you like it or not. We have Devontae Adams. We have... We have A.J. Dillon, who we've started to unleash finally. I've just been stashing him on my bench on two of my teams. And we're still, we're still, I think, going to be protecting Aaron Jones a little bit. I expect this to be a little bit more of a A.J. Dillon-type game, too. You know, you brought up the schedule, and I think, I think A.J. Dillon has a better game this week than Aaron Jones. But I think I'll get, I'll get to my score prediction when I get there, but I think it's going to be a nice day for Aaron Rodgers. I agree, and I mean – uh, I have it written down too that the the Bengals three and one record it's deceiving. They yes. beat they beat the Vikings in overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat the Steelers, the team that the Packers just beat, mm-hmm. and they beat the Jaguars by three at home. At home, like that's that's not that's really not impressive to me. No. So and, the, and they lost to the Bears. And they, they did, and they only scored seventeen points in that game. Yeah, but so the Bears have a good the Bears have an okay defense, but yeah. uh, we shouldn't be relying on 20 points to win you games. Mm-mm. So that being said, the Bengals defense, it's it's okay. It really is. Like Jake said, it's okay. Um I do think that with their rushing defense, um teams have kind of game scripted out of the run against them. Um the Jaguars obviously were in a situation where they're trying to pass to get back into the game. Yep. Um, the Vikings, same thing. They're passing to stay in the game. Kirk Cousins is actually off to a solid start this year. And then um, the Steelers, I mean, their offense is an offensive line away from being good, but obviously that's yeah. very important. That's pretty big, an offensive <laughs> that's, line. That's five cool. positions where you need to improve. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to hammer on third downs on both sides of the ball because – the Bengals allow 43.55% third down conversions. The Packers convert 44.44% of their third downs. This is something I've brought up going back to the NFC championship game is the Packers have to be better on third down on both sides of the ball on offense. Like we actually have a good punter now. So like I can yeah. be you know, confident in the punter that he can, you know, actually win us a field position battle. Yeah. But <clears throat> it doesn't mean that I want to be punting a lot. Yeah. Like it's a it's a luxury that you want to have but don't want to need to use. So I want the Packers to be better on third down. Um Randall Cobb is the guy that I look to to help with that. Um just awareness about being where the line um where the first down line is. If it's third and five, not running a four yard out route, stuff like that. So I'm looking for for guys like Randall Cobb to step up and help in that third down role. Um, still no MVS. He's out for at least another week after this week yet. Um, Elton Jenkins is questionable in this game. And uh, I think that's mainly what I'm looking for from the Packers offense is 
is balance and to maintain that efficiency that they showed uh, in the Pittsburgh game. So like Jake said, similar to the Pittsburgh game, the game plan should be almost the exact same as maintaining the balance and you know, spreading the ball around and using all your playmakers. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think Randall Cobb might be up to speed in this new offense. Um, him and Rogers have always had that connection. And I think, you know, like Rogers said, Cobb really just has a knack for playing the slot. You know, he can just take over the middle of the field. And then on top of that, we have, um, we have Tanyan who could play the middle of the field. And then we have Devante. I mean, right now, like you said, we're missing MVS, but we can spread the ball over to Lazard and we can run the ball. We can throw the ball to our running backs. Like AJ Dillon's been catching the ball. Great. I was going to say, I was just going to say AJ Dillon's actually been doing all right in the receiving game. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of ways we can go with this on the other end of the spectrum. Um, we're going to talk about Bengals offense versus our defense. Uh, Joe Mixon didn't practice today. And T Higgins who missed last, uh, last couple of weeks, I believe. I know two he was weeks, yep. last. Um, yep, he weeks. did, he did practice today. Um, for us, Preston Smith, Barnes, and King, they're all still questionable. So Jair is actually listed as questionable right now, too. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, so I guess we'll we'll find out what's going on. I mean, I want us to take it slow with Jair. I don't want us to rush him back. Uh, the thing that does kind of worry me about this game is Jamar Chase has been going crazy. Him and uh, him and Burrow really just have that connection, you know, and they. And Burrow just trusts him, so he throws it up, and he trusts Chase to go get the ball, kind of like Rodgers does with Devontae, and that's understandable because he's a very, very talented receiver. So, And they uh, have the built-in chemistry from college. So, Yeah, we, we have to watch him. He's the one. I mean, T. Higgins is still a good player. They have a they have a pretty good offense, man. I mean, Burrow is tough, man. He's a tough guy. So we're going to have to run the ball, and – we're going to have to really keep him off the field. We're going to have to play a little bit of keep away from him, and Rodgers knows that. You know, we keep up the third down efficiency, like you're saying. We get them off the field on third down. We'll see what happens. Uh, Jalen Smith, you know, you brought it up before, and I wanted to make a comment. I don't think he plays this week. It's too late. If he did, it would be very, very little. But I yep. do not think, because he has to get fitted, get his number. Then that. But if they brought him in to be like, hey, we're going to put you in a middle linebacker. We want you to blitz a gap. I can see that happening. But I think they're going to run Oren Burks out there. They're going to run Ty Summers out there. And we're really going to run a lot of three-man front with Devondre Campbell as the only middle linebacker. Run a lot of dime packages, you know. I think that's really what's going to happen. So we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, the DBs, man, we are hurting. So as as much as it hurts me to say, we kind of need Kevin King to play. We do. I mean, we, we need him to play. And Sullivan actually hasn't been bad. He got burned a couple times last week. Yeah. And Big Ben just, like, missed throws. So, against Tom Brady's in the NFC Championship game, ain't going to cut it. So, he better step it up because I was big advocate going in last year on Chandon Sullivan. That was my boy. And he kind of let me down a little bit. He started out the season hot. He had that pick six in week two against the Lions. And then kind of from there, he just kind of fell off. So, I'm looking for Shannon Sullivan to make a name for himself. Kevin King to – Kevin King, you got a lot of people you got to earn a lot of respect back. So, you know, he always puts that hashtag 100 mil. Well, it's time to earn that 100 mil, dog. So, let's go. All right. So, Tim is up in the comments. He mentioned a guy that I was going to bring up that you uh, passed over, and that's Tyler Boyd. 
Um, he is their he is their Deontay Johnson. So okay. last week we talked about the the receivers that the Bengals have. You can you can make the comparisons to the receivers that the the Steelers have. Where the Steelers have Deontay Johnson, the Bengals have Tyler Boyd. Where the Steelers have their home run hitter in T. Higgins, the the Steelers have Chase Claypool. Where the Bengals have their you know their all around guy that can do all of it. That's Jamar Chase. That's Juju Smith-Schuster. So those they have a solid trio of wide receivers and a tight end that they used to beat the Jaguars in CJ Uzoma. So they have they have a good offense. Uh-huh. So looking at the Packers' defense, <clears throat> the Bengals can move the ball. Where I want to see the Packers doing things is they they do play the bend but don't break style of defense. It's not sexy. It's not fun to watch all the time. But if you can hold teams to three instead of seven, that can be a difference maker. That can help. You know that helps you win games. Packers aren't shutting anybody out this year. They're not. They're not going to be holding an offense like the Bengals to three points or ten points. Like the Bengals are going to score some points. They have a good offense, but that's less. <clears throat> That's less naysay about the Packers' defense than it is about actually giving respect to the Bengals' offense. True. Now, Jake mentioned that Joel Mixon didn't practice today, which is is good news for the Packers. Obviously, we don't want to cheer for injuries. We never do that. And, you know, you want to beat teams when they're at their best so that you can, you know, you can say we beat them when they were at their best. So people can't play the, if Kyrie and KD and Harden were healthy, the Bucs wouldn't have won that series. I hate that. Yeah. So – I'm just going to leave that out, but um, you know, Joel Mixon not practicing does play into Packers' benefit because the Packers' weakness for three years has been the rushing defense. Um, it's really, 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 really going to be all hands on deck this week for the defense. Um, expect Devondre Campbell to be all over the field, um, and Eric Stokes is really going to have a time to shine. So Jake mentioned Jair, and I wanted to bring up uh, Rasul Douglas, who was um, signed off of the Arizona Cardinals practice squad, and the Packers bringing in another cornerback, to me signaled that Jair Alexander is not playing this week. Um, he's had a f- they're having multiple opinions on it because there's varying degrees of what the injury means. Um, there's some saying he could play this week with a shoulder brace. There's some saying uh, you know two to four weeks, and then there's reports saying that it could be a long term injury. So they're still getting more reports on it. I think LaFleur was going to say something today about it, but I haven't seen anything about it yet. Um, what I saw today was Devontae Adams. Um, apparently Rodgers is meeting with with the media right now. Um, so I'm guessing LaFleur will probably be right around when the show is done. Um, and then we'll, you know, we'll put something on the page when we find out what's going on with Jair. But them grabbing another corner – from Arizona's practice squad signal to me that Jair is not going to play this week. Yeah, I think they're going to – I mean, the one time – this is kind of funny to me. The one time we don't have an early buy, you know, to get through injuries and get healthy is when everybody's yeah. just dropping like flies. Yep. But, if I mean, it's kind of nice that we have, you know, I don't want to say easy because nothing's easy in the NFL, especially on the road. You know, we got to go to Cincinnati. Um, to be able to – I think we get to go to Chicago too, don't we? I'm thinking ahead. I think next week we go to Chicago. I think we have oh, bad yeah. road games. Um, 
But anyways, you know, I, having these little bit easier teams, I guess, you know, because Cincinnati is not a joke, but I don't consider them like real contenders. They're not a, they're not a contender. Yeah. The Bears. I'd the put Bears. them in the same boat as the Raiders. Okay, I'm with that. Um, the Bears, they're not contending for anything either. Um, they looked better against the Lions last week, but the Lions gave them a lot more opportunities than they should have had. Um, we'll get to the Bears next week. Um, but That is a, in Soldier Field next week. So. Yes. Yeah, because we played them late in the year at home, I remember. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just going on the road and having to deal with all these injuries is going to be tough for us. But having, you know, and in the offseason – little PSA when Rogers is acting like a weirdo in everybody else's opinion and saying this and saying that and growing his hair out. And nobody knows what he's doing. This is why we love Aaron Rodgers. He helps us deal with and get over these, you know, things that should really crumble a team. You know, you're on a rookie corner as your number one corner and your whole offensive line is down and you're not on third string left tackles and two rookies starting up front. And, you know, there's just a lot of, really just junk that like you a quarterback shouldn't be able to handle but Rodgers just like all right we got another game he throws for another 250 300 in three four touchdowns runs one in like that's what he does man that's just Aaron Rodgers so in the offseason when Rodgers is being a weirdo I don't want to hear anybody complaining because he helps us win freaking games dude and I like winning you know especially you know we have to watch on Saturday is the team freaking pisses me off but we'll get to that later all right so it looks like uh looks like we have a, a guest that's working on joining us here if he can uh get his uh ducks in a row um so let's talk about let's talk a little more about jalen smith because it's gonna be a, a hot topic of conversation there's already been like five or six comments about it for this just for the show jalen smith's coming from the cowboys yes he's a former pro bowler but like I mentioned before, he was cut because he didn't fit the system. So he's not going to come from being cut for not fitting a system, coming to learn a new system, which, yes, he's familiar with the head coach, but that doesn't make him familiar with the defense. Just because the Packers have injury problems doesn't mean that he's automatically assuming a starting role. That's not to say that he can't assume a starting role in the future because that's where we were at with Devondre Campbell coming into training camp, we were looking at it as it's going to be, you know, Chris Barnes and the Kamal Martin show. And then Kamal Martin gets cut after week two of the preseason. Yeah. So saying that Jay, you know, um, that Smith isn't going to start this week. He's not, he's, if he even plays, it's going to be like 30% of snaps. Now sure. the following week against the bears, that's where you could see him really step up. Um, in playing time, but he's really he's got to get familiar with the scheme. He's got to get familiar with the coaches. He's got to get familiar with his teammates. So all of that, it's not happening in four days. If they want to use him as a spy for Justin Fields, hundred percent okay with that because he can match him for speed. You know, yeah. cover the middle, take away the tight end, take away the running back on the option routes. You know, delayed blitzes. Have him just spy him. Like, I am 100% okay with that. Just have yeah. Devondre Campbell clean up all the mess behind him, you know? Yeah. That that 100% works for me. Yep. But we'll have to see what the game plan is. We got to get through yeah. this week, man. And hopefully we can get through this week without any freaking injuries, man. Because, Christ, I'm like, I don't know how many more we can take, man. 
I don't know. But while we're still on the subject of the defense, um, I also want to bring up uh, two other names. One of them is Stefan Gilmore, who is already um, on a new team. He's on the Panthers. For people wondering or saying stuff like, God, the Packers never do anything. The Packers are strapped by the cap. Yeah. The only reason that he was traded to the Panthers is because the Panthers were willing to accept his salary. Yeah, man. For the Packers to take on that contract, they would have had to um, probably do like a like a third or a fourth round pick. And for two thirds of a season of Stephon Gilmore, who's on the pup until week six, that's um, yeah. it's just not worth that. No, it's not. I mean, yeah, it's a that's a potential you know Super Bowl winning move, but that really really hurts you next year because just look what the Packers have done with their second and third round picks this year. I mean, Amari Rodgers is your punt returner, and he's played a little bit on the offense. And your second round pick was Josh Myers, who is an absolute stud. Yep, great find. So, I mean, you know, losing those those second, third round picks, it's it's not worth it for, like I said, eleven games of Stephon Gilmore. But I mean, potentially playoffs. But um, that's why he's not on the Packers is because of the the money situation. That's why he was. Uh, being moved off of the Patriots in the first place. Yeah, I saw. I think the trade for him, <clears throat> excuse me, was already like seven to seven point five million cap hit, and right now the Packers only have seven point one. So, really, if you trade for him and say it's seven million, you're leaving yourself a tenth of a million, which is like, okay, we are legitimately at the brink, and we have to re-sign. Devontae Adams, we have to, you know, make sure Aaron Rodgers is still happy. I know he still has another year in his contract, but we have to re-sign, you know, a lot of people like MVS. Jair. Uh, Jair. I mean, there's just a lot of guys. I mean, maybe even if Kenny has a big year, who says that Kenny doesn't ask for more money? You know, like he he's kind of on a team-friendly deal right now. So, well, we'll take it in stride. But right now, would I have loved Stephon Gilmore? Absolutely. But it just wasn't it just wasn't the right move. It's I, an opportunity or, cost situation. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's the right move to just hold off on that, let the Panthers make the move. That makes the Panthers a little bit more interesting. I won't lie, but so the Panthers the Panthers are motivated to make that move because their first round pick, JC Horn, is done for the year. Damn, I I like that guy too, man. Shit. So that's why that's why they're making that move for a starting corner is because their starting corner is done for the year. And the other, you know, I'm okay with him going to the Panthers because I don't particularly see them as a threat in the NFC either, even though they're uh, they're playing well right now. Yep. Is that it? Also keeps Stephon Gilmore off of the Buccaneers, man, and off of the Chiefs, yeah, and off of the Rams, true, true. and off of the Cardinals. How much money does the Cardinals have left? <laughs> I mean, can't it can't much. be much. I mean, they're paying freaking Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins some big-time money, man. Yeah. They're still getting a deal on Kyler, but pretty soon when he re-ups, man, because he's going to be getting his body killed for the next couple of years on that little contract, Cardinals are going to be hurting pretty soon. I mean, that's why they made the J.J. Watt move. That was a – Right, kind of a win now move for them. Right, and they're playing well. I uh, that's going to be a very very fun game to watch for us. Yes. It's going to be a big test for us. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have some guys back for that game. 
Yes. So I mentioned that I'm going to hammer on third downs, and I'm about to do it again. Um, the Bengals. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to list the Packers third down uh, opposing conversion rate because it grosses me out. Forty-eight point seven eight percent. Jesus Christ, that is disgustingly high. Yeah, that is that's damn near fifty percent of third downs that the other team is picking up. The Saints killed us on third down, if I remember correctly. I mean, the Lions were doing it for a little while in the beginning of that game. Um, The 49ers were decent on third downs, but the Packers, their defense, it just needs to get off the field. They can get off the field, Bengals convert 37.78% of their third downs. So one of these things is going to be what happens is either the, the Bengals are going to be bad on third downs like they are, or the Packers are going to be bad on third downs like they are. What I want to see is the Packers go down to the Bengals level of, you know, 37% of third downs and not let them, you know, convert five out of 10 third downs and keep the ball going because the Packers, that's what they need to do to win this game as they need to get the Bengals off the field and they need to stay on the field. Like Jake said, because the team, the Bengals, they can move the ball. So the Packers need to really seriously um, take away the chances to keep the ball moving when they can. Now, Jake mentioned Jamar Chase a bunch because he's very talented. If there's a guy that can keep up with him, obviously it would be Jair if he was healthy. But looking at Eric Stokes, I feel much more comfortable with Eric Stokes on Jamar Chase than I would with Kevin King on Jamar Chase. Um, I'd be, I wouldn't be excited about Kevin King guarding T Higgins just because T Higgins, I do think is, um, kind of that home run hitter type guy. Um, so maybe, maybe that'll be a a Chandon Sullivan assignment. T Higgins also, I don't think he's a very big guy. I think he's kind of small, isn't he? He's not as small as Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, but, um, Um, I think he's a little bit smaller. So I don't think, I don't, I don't think so. I'm going to look it up just because I'm, there's a point that I want to make here. And that's um, it's Shamar Jean Charles. Okay, he's a smaller guy, and you know, that could be a, a matchup to look at for them. Um, he played more snaps last week. Didn't play a ton of snaps, but he played more. Um, that being said, um, oh, T Higgins is actually a big guy. T Higgins is six four. Um, that might. I don't know. Do you? What do you do? Do you put King or Sullivan on him? King. <laughs> that's a that's a tough spot to be in because then the other one's going to guard Tyler Boyd. Yeah, that's I don't know. Eek. See, Bengals, man, they're good on offense, man. They've been they've really been working at it, so they're they're pretty damn good on offense. I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. But the real the real kicker. Um, is going to be Rodgers against that defense, man. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not afraid of the Bengals' defense. Um, Jacksonville scored 24 points on them. Minnesota scored 27. So I mean, Pittsburgh was the only team that really struggled against them a lot. And I mean, outside of an opening drive touchdown and a garbage time touchdown, Pittsburgh only scored three points on the Packers. 
I mean, I told you before the show that it really felt like the Packers, like, beat the crap out of the Steelers, man. Like, that's really what it felt like. I was watching that game, and I was just like, we are manhandling these boys. Like, this is not close. Basically, you look at four minutes at the beginning of the game and four minutes at the end of the game, like, those eight minutes, that's that's 52 minutes of 27 to 3 football. Well, Pittsburgh had the ball for 25 minutes. So take out those eight minutes. They really did nothing. So, I mean, we we really did manhandle them, man. <clears throat> All right. So the other thing, the last thing that I want to see cleaned up by the Packers in this game is the kickoff coverage. It needs to be better. Jake mentioned Alan Lazard last week after a big return uh, by the 49ers that it wouldn't happen again. He went out and made the play on the next kickoff return. Uh, the Packers are giving up an average of 32 yards per kickoff return. That can't happen. It, you need to clean that up. Yeah. Because, yes, while we do have a good punter now who can help us win the field position battle, you don't want to be putting yourself in a position where the opposing team gets to start at the 35 or the 40-yard line every week. Like, well, what does it not... matter if, if you punted 60 yards and they return it for 30? What does that do? That's a, that's a net 30 yards. So you need to, yeah, they need to not allow 30-yard kickoff returns every time. So that's the last thing that I want to see cleaned up in this game. All right, you have anything else, or do you want to give your uh, Jake's weather report here? Oh yeah, I forgot about the weather report. Jeez, <laughs> how can you forget about the weather report? That's your you have your own segment on this show oh, called man. Jake's weather report. And you forgot? I forgot, man. I just, that's okay. I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I'm ready for this weather report. I, I always have it written. It's my first thing I write down too. How can I forget about it? I was just looking at the totals and the numbers and, and getting getting into the nuances of the game here. All right, go ahead. All right, weather report. Uh, Jake Burgundy here. Uh, weather in Cincinnati on Sunday is going to be 76 degrees. Winds traveling south at 10 to 20 miles an hour. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw five touchdowns. Five touchdowns. Wow. All right. Book it. You I'm gonna to say to I'm gonna say three and a touchdown yeah. for Aaron Jones. Okay. I have the Packers winning 38 to 24. Ooh, close. I have 34-24. 34-24. Okay. Yeah, I I I really just have a feeling this is gonna be the game, the national media, you know, right before the Bears that people are gonna be talking like Packers for real contenders, you know, because Rodgers, like, he's looked better and better and better and more comfortable every week. This is going to be the game where all of a sudden he puts himself right back on the map. Like, we're going to start talking MVP again. That's mm-hmm. how I see it. He's going to throw, he's going to throw for 350 and four touchdowns, five touchdowns. I'm really, really expecting that. All right. My, my score prediction reflects a little more of wanting to keep that balance. So that's where I'm at with that is wanting to keep the, the run pass balance um, and obviously using the play action. So um, just getting everybody involved, using the run and the pass um, in sync with each other and then using the play action. Um, I don't know. I think with the offense, I think I just love seeing the balance work to a point where play action just like murders a defense. I don't know. Yeah. I don't you- know if that makes me weird, but. That's what I'm here for. No, man. If if you're running the ball and all of a sudden you run a play action, the guy ends up wide open. It's kind of just like, 
shit, man, we got those. We that's, got those. That's, it's yeah. so satisfying to me yeah. to have a, a good play action pass workout. Yeah, that's it's definitely a beautiful thing to watch. Sports can be a form of art, man. It really can. If you map it out correctly, every sport can be a form of art. Look at I that mean, we get to watch Giannis, so. Did you watch uh, the any of the Red Sox-Yankees game? No, I would not do that. Oh, well, I only watched a little bit of it because I was working and stuff. But I was satisfied by Garrett Cole getting kicked out of the game early because he sucked. But other Yay, than that, no, I didn't pay attention so to it. so much money to get kicked out of a playoff game. And I'm like, geez. <laughs> I saw a thing that he gets paid $108 million per run that he gave up. It was fifty more, $54 million per out that he recorded. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, well, he did that to himself. Nobody else did that. Yeah. But that is a good segue because I'm ready to talk some Brewers baseball. Oh, let's talk about baseball. I'm ready, baby. All right. So we're going to talk first. I should have, I suppose I should have made separate banners for this, but um, we're going to talk first about the Brewers season as a whole. Uh, we're going to do some some top three moments. Um, I'll make a banner here real quick. Yeah, we're going to do uh, top three moments. Um I'll let you kick it off. Give me your top three moments from the Brewers' regular season. Okay, my number three uh, was all of Corbin Burns' records and really just his season overall. Watching Corbin Burns really come into his own and, you know, make a name for himself as a true ace. Um, He has a record for uh, striking out 10 straight, you know, Cubs. That was awesome because it happened against the Cubs. And if you watched our – our preview of the season, I talked about how much I hate the city of Chicago and their sports. Um, he's the first Brewers pitcher to lead the MLB in ERA, so that's pretty badass. And he, had the, he started the season with the most strikeouts before his first walk with 58. So he has two MLB records. Um, well, actually three if you really think about it. And you know, he has the hair flow. He has the you know he has the curveball, the fastball, and He's starting game one for us on Friday. So I'm very, very excited for Corbin Burns coming up here. And he he's on a small deal right now. So he's about to get yeah. freaking paid. Oh, he's yeah, he's getting paid. So you mentioned the the records. You want to hear something really crazy? Yes. The Brewers rotation set fifty-eight major league or franchise records. Holy shit. Some of them are really like some are they're really nuanced, but um, Corbin Burns set 45 by himself. Whoa, 45 of the 58? 45 records on his own. Um, some of his franchise records were 15 strikeouts without a walk. That's a franchise record in one game. Uh, he's the first pitcher to have three consecutive six-plus innings and two or fewer base runners. So that's three consecutive games, six innings, and two or less base runners. Um, he's the first to strike out a hundred batters on the road without a loss. Wow. So, I mean, that right there puts into perspective why I say pitching travels because Corbin Burns on his own makes that statement true. (laughs) Man, at this point, we might just have to start calling him Cy Young. Shit. I mean, you call him Cy Burns, except call him Side Burns. All right, so my number three moment of the season was the Brewers beating the Cubs fifteen to seven after being down seven to nothing. 
because it was really, really entertaining watching Cubs fans being, you know, all excited because they ruined Aaron Ashby's first start. And, you know, they were up seven to nothing, you know, call this game over. And then the yeah. Brewers came back, scored 15 unanswered through an Willie Adamas grand slam and ended the Cubs season and put them into full fire sale mode because after that series, they lost 11 games in a row and became full fire sale mode. So that was my number three favorite moment of the season. <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> um, my number two is more of a personal, you know, it was really close. It was a really personal thing to me because it was my stepson's first game. Um, it was actually my father-in-law, uh, his first game in 40 years, his first baseball game in 40 years. Think about that. The last game he went to was when he lived in LA and he went to Dodger stadium. So that's, and by the way, I have some good news about that. He said he is a converted Brewers fan. He says F the Dodgers now. So good. I've turned a bad guy into a good guy. Um, the walk of brand slam against the Cardinals, um, just the feeling I got and, you know, being at the game and seeing the joy in my stepson's face was really something that I'll probably never forget for the rest of my life. And obviously it was a, it was a big win for the Brewers. I mean, cause the Cardinals really got hot at the end of the season. So that win really was important if you look at the whole grand scheme. Um, so that walk off my stepson's first game, that was, you know, and I was there with my dad too. So, I mean, it was all, it was three people that I'm really, really important in my life. So. That was one moment that I'll always hold close to my heart. I really hope that they go on to win the title because I brought my stepson to his first Bucks game. They won the title. And if I bring him to his first baseball game, the Brewers win the title, I think we're, I'm going to have to fork out some money and go to a Packer game this year to go to his first Packer game. So he, they can win the title. <laughs> we're going to have to have like a, a hashtag triple crown tradition. Dude, his first game. I mean, if they win the title and I brought him to his first game for everything, it's gonna be insane, dude. <laughs> All right. So my actual, my second favorite moment of the season was actually Vogelback's walk-off grand slam. Oh. Just, just the the call, the radio call, not even Euchre's call, but um, I don't know if it was uh, Lane Grindle or Jeff Levering that made the call. Um, Vogelback launches the home run, and you just get the "Are you kidding me?" Like that's that was so. That's such a satisfying thing was was the uh, Vogelbox walk off grand slam. So, um, that was yeah, that was my second favorite moment of the season. That was that was really fun to watch. So, uh, what was your number one? All right, my number one, like I said before, I previewed it. Uh, my number one is that we won the season series versus the Cubs thirteen to three. <laughs> we smacked the shit out of them all year. Um, Tyler already brought it up. We we were the ones that started their fire sale. Because after that, they were just kind of like... we Yeah, dude, we literally fun. ended their season. Yeah. Here's the best part. The Brewers this season, because we dominated them so bad, we took over the overall season series against the Cubs. 199 to 198. We are now officially <laughs> better than the Cubs because we beat them more times. I am very happy about that. That's awesome. That's a good stat right there. Took over the overall. That's a good one, the head-to-head. Yes, sir. All right. So my number one was Corbin Burns' 10 consecutive strikeouts. So this is more more bad news for the Cubs and the Cubs fans. <laughs> but um, watching that game and just watching him rack up the strikeouts, and I'm just, just sitting there watching the game just like, oh, he struck out another one. He struck out another one. What are you swinging at? He struck out another one. And – they start, you know, they they put the little thing down at the bottom of the screen that it's, you know, the most consecutive batter struck out. 
and then he breaks the franchise record. And then he gets strikeout number 10, and he ties the Major League Baseball record 10 consecutive strikeouts. And it's like, skip one more. But he tied a Major League Baseball record, and just watching him just run through the Cubs order, just 10 straight strikeouts was just insane. Um, I would say an overall honorable mention would definitely be the the combined Um, no-hitter. That was awesome to watch. Yeah, uh, that was a more recent um, moment of this season. That was really fun to watch, but for me, a little bit of the fun was sucked out of that by people complaining about um, Council pulling Burns after the eighth inning when he had 115 pitches. So that that took a little bit of the fun away from that one. Um, just I can't stand people whining about stuff all the time. I know, man. I would say another honorable mention would just be you know you can just write down. William Thomas. I mean, he completely changed our season. We have the great post up on the page right now. If you want to look at it, you know, the season splits before and after William Thomas. <laughs> William um, Thomas Day, May 22nd. Put it on your calendars. Yeah. Well, we have a day for everything now, right? Like, I mean, National Donut Day, National Spaghetti yep. Day, and all this stuff. May 22nd from now on in Wisconsin should be William Thomas Day. William Thomas Day. Let's, let's, let's talk to the governor, man. Let's, let's make it happen. <laughs> We hey, when next May rolls around, we have to make sure we make a, po- a post on May twenty second. Say Happy Willie Adamas Day. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's he was start totally a catalyst out. for change for this Brewers season, yes. not only because of what he did for the Brewers, but what the effect that he had on Luis Urias. Yeah. Um, Travis Shaw went down, so they moved Luis Urias over to third base, and Luis Urias ended up leading the Brewers in games played this year. Luis Urias played 150 games. Uh, he actually finished number one in hits, too. That's did Luis Urias. Um, he had 122 hits. Uh, Colton Wong and Avi Garcia both had 121 uh, in fewer games. But, um, you know, overall, Luis Urias led the team in hits. So he's really, he's really an important part of this team for as much heat as he took for some of the error issues that he had during the season, um, you know, which – you know, obviously it is an issue. It's literally, it's called an error. So it's, you know, obviously bad, but for Luis Urias to be 23 years old on a NL central winning team and to be that important of a piece. And I would say that, you know, the errors that he's had, he's made some pretty impressive defensive plays to make up for it. I mean, I mentioned the one where Josh Hader was pitching a couple weeks ago and the the hit that Luis Urias made a diving catch on had a hit expectancy of 79%. Yeah. And Luis Urias made the play. So, and, you know, he's made some crazy plays down the third baseline, diving into foul territory, popping up and throwing guys out. So I would say he's he's canceled out any of the errors that he's had. And then the he had the five RBI game against the Phillies. I mean, he's... He's made up for what he's, um, what he's aired. So, um, Luis Urias, Colton Wong, Avi Garcia, Willie Adamas all had 45 or more extra base hits. Uh, Willie Adamas led the team in batting average and on base percentage. He had a 366 on base percentage. Christian Yelich, for as much heat as he took all year, still finished with a 362 on base percentage. So he still gets on base 36% of the time. So his average was down, but his on-base percentage was still respectable. Uh, Colton Wong, 
at a 3.3 wins above replacement. Willie Adamas had a 3.5 wins above replacement. So those two are both very solid players for the Brewers. I would think Colton Wong is probably a shoe-in for the Gold Glove Award for a second base. Just such a good defensive second baseman. Um, on the pitcher's side, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns. Um, Woodruff had a 5.6 wins above replacement. Burns at 5.1. Um, Freddie Peralta, 3.9. Josh Hader, 3.3 wins above replacement. Adrian Hauser, 2.0. Eric Lauer, 2.1. So that's you're talking about your fourth and fifth starters in your rotation. Yeah. You're talking about Freddie Peralta. He's probably the ace on a lot of staffs. Hey, he's got third best stuff. pitcher on the Brewers. He's got ace stuff. I'll tell you that. He absolutely. He, I mean, he went from being a two pitch pitcher to a four pitch pitcher. You know, he used to be just Freddie fastball and Freddie curveball, but now he's got a change up and a slider that he throws, and that's really made a big difference for him. I mean, when we get to you know talk about the games and stuff, I think Woodruff had a great year personally. His record doesn't he did. Really show it, but yeah, I'm gonna mention how. I mean, I'll say right now how Burns has such a great crazy year that he just kind of made Woodruff look kind of average at times. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's how I feel. That's how I look at it. You look at Burns and he has all this flashy, crazy stuff and like bright lights and he's the new shiny Setting records. And and Woodruff is just over there just consistent. Just he is what he is. He gets people out. He mows them down. And like it's crazy that we have two great pitchers like this. And then you throw a Peralta. It's like it's almost unfair at this point. Dude, That's and then you got, you got Hauser and Lauer at the back of that. Lauer went like three months where he was only giving up like like two runs a game. And yeah. Hauser threw a complete game shutout against the Cardinals. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's man, we have a fourth starter. A, we have an embarrassment of riches, dude. So I want to talk about Woodruff because you mentioned him and he deserves to be talked about because he's probably yes. going to finish like fourth or fifth in Cy Young voting. Because the Cy Young voters, they ignore wins and losses because that's a that's an outdated stat. That's a team stat that doesn't really have, uh, shouldn't really have an effect on an individual performance. Uh, Woodruff finished fourth in the NL in ERA, so he he did his job on the mound. I mean, we talked about it a bunch during the year that those you know there's a lot of games that the Brewers should be winning, and those are games you have to win. Uh, it happened to Woodruff a lot, unfortunately. Um, that being said, um, Brandon Woodruff had the lowest hits per nine innings in a single season. So that's a franchise record. Um, another record, Corbin Burns allowed only 166 base runners. That wasn't an MLB or a franchise record, but it was the lowest by a qualified pitcher since 1972. So, so that was two years. My parents. Yeah, yeah, two years after the the team became a franchise again, um, yeah. Corbin Burns just broke a record for the fewest base runners. Um, Freddie Peralta broke two major league baseball records. Uh, most six plus inning starts with two or fewer hits. That's something I mentioned um, about a month ago, talking about something that Justin Verlander did in 2019 when he won a Cy Young. So Freddie Peralta has done Cy Young level things, but He's probably going to finish like 10th. Uh, and then the other thing, Freddie Peralta went 11, 11 starts. So this is 11 consecutive starts at any point in the season 
Only gave up 27 hits. Yeah, that's... In 11 starts. That's crazy right there. That's a crazy... That start. is insane. Like, it, like, we kept wondering, like, are the Brewers going to throw a no-hitter this year? Like, who's going to throw a no-hitter for the Brewers this year? Because the guys get into pitch count trouble, and then Council takes them out, which is something that has obviously worked into their favor. And we're going to talk about this when we preview the Braves series. He kept guys fresh. And Freddie Peralta easily could have been the guy to throw the no-hitter. And next year, maybe he will. Because he's got no-hitter type stuff. Um, And then... This is is super nuts. Freddie Peralta broke a Nolan Ryan record. There you go. With the most starts allowing two or fewer hits. Like broke a Nolan Ryan record. Like for the season? For the season. Holy shit. (laughs) When you bring up pitching and then you bring up Nolan Ryan, that's like in basketball when you bring up either Michael Jordan or Wilt Chamberlain. Those are the two people. Third best pitcher on our staff breaking Nolan Ryan records. Yeah, that's and that's my that was my boy in the preseason, man. I was like, hey, that's that's my guy. I'm gonna run with Freddie and we'll see what happens. And you were running with Burns, and look, they both had great seasons. They both studs, yep. <clears throat> so let's move into – let's preview the series that they play with the Braves. The series starts on Friday. I want to get your opinions um, looking at Brewers versus the Braves, however you want to frame it. Okay. Um, so really when I was looking at it, you know, we talk a lot about pitching. That's the Brewers' main source of power, I would say. Bread and butter. Um. We got Burns versus Charlie Morton Friday. We're going to get this thing rolling. Uh, so Burns, great season, obviously. 11-5, 2.43 ERA, first in MLB, 234Ks, and a .94 whip. It's crazy numbers. Charlie Morton, 14-6, 3.34 ERA, 216 strikeouts, 1.04 whip. He is the Braves leader in wins and strikeouts. So when I was really looking at this, I was like, how am I going to think about this? How am I going to preview this? So what I did was, is I looked at their splits. They both had a start against each other, like not against each other yep. personally, but Morton had a start against the Brewers. Yep. Burns had one start against the Braves. Yep. It was better for Morton, even though he got a loss. Oh, but we'll talk about it. Burns got, Burns got roughed up a little bit. I got some context for you on that, bud. No, I'm ready. I'm ready. Say your um, piece. Say it. He had four innings pitch, nine hits, five earned runs. So, all right, you let's talk about Corbin Burns. Let's talk. You know what, Charlie Morton, real quick. Willie Adams hit a two-run home run off Charlie Morton. So there's that. Uh, Willie Adams is a stud. So if you need more con- context on that, context on Corbin Burns coming your way right now. He gave up five runs in this game. The five games before this, five consecutive gems before this, one run or less in his five starts before this. After that. Three gems, one inning or one earned run or less. That's eight out of nine games, one earned run or less. That's probably eight of his 18 quality starts, too, because he had, he had technically 18 quality starts this year. Yep. So eight out of nine games pitching gems. He was due for one clunker in there somewhere. Right, right. And I'm not saying that. This is going to be the end all be all the stats. I was just kind of looking at 
you know, what I'm going to kind of expect. I mean, I am, I, I fully understand you and I have it written down too, but I wanted to give that context. Right. Hey, that's what we're here for, man. This, this is what I said before the show. I said, your weaknesses are my strengths, my strengths, are your weaknesses. I don't step on your toes. You don't step on mine. We just work together. We mash it up. And we tell these people what they need to hear. Right. So I tell you that Burns had gave up nine hits and five earned runs. And you tell me, well, that's bullshit. Because he's going to throw a gem on Friday, and the Brewers yeah. going to win. Yeah, I'm all for that. I mean, Morton is 0-1. He did lose the game that he pitched against the Brewers. Yep. He gave up. He had six innings pitch, gave up two earned runs and and three hits. So it's not like he got shelled. But the Brewers just have to find a way to get four or more runs. We've been talking about that since Tyler brought up the stat months ago. Yep. You put a four on the board, you feel pretty goddamn good when Burns is on the mound. Burns, Peralta, Woodruff. When those guys are on the mound, you feel pretty good. I mean, even, you know, the other guys, I mean, Adrian Hauser, and I mean, you feel good. So the Brewers manufacture some runs, maybe get a couple long balls. They're at home, so we should be feeling good. Yep. It's a five-game series, so if you take the first two at home, then because when I was looking at it, it didn't have the pitching matchups for game three. So you win Burns and, and Brandon Woodruff starts, it doesn't really matter who starts game three because you're going to go in there. It's probably going to be Peralta, but – We'll see what happens. I'm glad you brought it up because it is it is Burns and Woodruff to start. And yep. what I want to mention with that is that the Braves strike out an average of nine times a game, and Burns' K rate per nine innings is 12.6. So yep. I'm looking for a lot of strikeouts from the Braves in this uh, series. Mm-hmm. Is It's probably going to be Freddie Peralta for game three. But I've been yeah. thinking about this a lot in the last few weeks. Going into this postseason – so many complaints about the Brewers are not going to have any momentum going into the playoffs. Like, why aren't the Brewers trying? Oh, this is scaring me because the Brewers aren't winning at all. The Brewers had nothing to play for. They had nothing to gain, nothing to lose. They weren't going to move up a seed. They weren't going to move down a seed. They were where they were. What they needed to be was healthy. Yep. I mentioned the rest with the pitching. Because of the pitch counts and stuff like that. Burns got taken out of a no-hitter with 115 pitches. If the Brewers aren't in playoff contention, he probably goes back out. But you don't want to lose Burns in September when we're talking about October baseball. This is why. Burns was offered the chance to skip his last start. He went and pitched. He only pitched two innings and was taken out. I figured he was going to throw probably 75 or less. I think he ended up only throwing like 45 pitches. That's really just like a tune-up. They yeah. rested Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. Woodruff and Peralta both skipped their last starts of the year. Rest has been a major theme of this pitching staff this entire season, and it's kept them fresh. Now, this is my theory here, is going into game three, if you win games one and two, you see a tandem start with Freddie Peralta and Eric Lauer because they're contrasting styles of pitcher. You have a righty and a lefty. If the Brewers go up in this series 2-0, and let's say the the Giants and whoever the winner of the Cardinals-Dodgers tonight is, is you know, a 1-1 or a 2-1 uh, situation in that series, that the Brewers can pair two of their starters, still have Woodruff or Burns ready to go for game one of a potential NLCS, is combining two of those guys for a tandem start. So Dude. that's... That's something that I'm looking for. If the Brewers are up 2-0 is by pairing Freddie Peralta and Eric Lauer, letting them go through the lineup once, bringing Lauer in to go through the lineup once, and then turning it over to your bullpen. 
I'm just going to say this. Tonight, America, we are Cardinals fans, okay? I have never Tonight? once in my life cheered for the St. Louis Cardinals. But if they beat the freaking Los Angeles Dodgers, dude, I might get drunk. That's how I feel right now. That is I, I am looking feel. for waking up at 4 a.m. in the morning for work and hoping that that game is still being played. <laughs> that too. That too. Dude, if Adam Wainwright comes out and pitches a gym and beats the Dodgers, holy shit, man. First of all, I'm going to be a little bit scared of the Cardinals because they're just insanely white hot right now. Yeah, And then I'm going to be like super happy because the Dodgers are out of it. I'm going to be like, that's what you get, you pricks. Dude, I'm already – oh, my God, I hate the Dodgers so much. I'm already tired of the Dodgers won 106 games. Why do they have to play a one-game wild card? Yeah. Oh, my God, that's how it's been set up forever. Win your division. Win your division. Yeah. Cry about it. Tell someone who cares. Yeah, man. Buy another fucking franchise player. Yeah, go sp- go spend another hundred million on somebody else. Fucking Christ! Oh my God! If I have to hear another Dodgers fan complain, you spent two hundred ninety-six million dollars on your team. Why couldn't you win your division? Yeah, I mean, and everybody wants to talk about how all oh, the Brewers are in a bad division. Well, the Cardinals are not bad, and if they end up beating the Dodgers, well, clearly they're better. And Cincinnati was a a September meltdown away from making the playoffs too. Yeah, and. The only teams that are really bad are the the Cubs who just suck and and the Pirates who are just embarrassing. They're basically like I mean the they, Lions. they I mean they they've made themselves comfortable in the basement. Yeah, they're like the Lions of our division in baseball. They're okay. they're a okay just being down there and getting the shit beat out of them for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're yeah they're good with having like two good players and you know yeah and it. then they trade them away and <laughs> Christ Almighty. I mean, the, yeah. Yeah, the Pirates are bad. but Holy shit, I would hate being a fan in Pittsburgh right now. That is terrible. I mean, Detroit's not much better off. They're probably worse even. Because Pittsburgh at least has a good hockey team. That's true. That's very true. I mean, Detroit hockey has a lot of history. But yeah, they haven't been good for a while now. That's that's tough, man. I You know what? I'm just thankful that I'm a Wisconsin sports fan. Because all of our teams are competitive, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're going to get to the Badgers, and that's kind of a rough situation. But um, yeah. let's stick with let's stick with the the Brewers. Um, the regular season series split three and three. Uh, Max Freed is pitching the second game for the Braves. He's a pretty solid pitcher. The Brewers didn't face him at all this year. Yep. Um, I mean, really, I really don't see a scenario where the Brewers don't leave Milwaukee up two to zero just because, like. In the playoffs, the pitching is what's the most important. And even without Devin Williams, the Brewers still have a damn good bullpen. Uh, Jake Cousins should be back. Um, the Brewers haven't announced their playoff roster yet. Um, my guess is that's probably going to come out tomorrow, just the day before the, the the playoff series starts, and it gets to change after every series. So yep. if they advance past the Braves, um, the playoff roster can be changed again, and they can take guys off and add guys on. Uh, but Jake Cousins should be ready to go for this Atlanta Braves series. So the Brewers, it's going to be combinations of Strickland, Boxberger, Suter, uh, Cousins that I just mentioned. Those are going to be the guys before you get to Josh Hader. So 
I mean, the Brewers have options here. Losing Devin Williams sucks, and he might make it back if they make a World Series, but the Brewers are not without other options. So um, I'm looking forward to watching this game on Friday. I, I'm predicting – I'm going to go a little bit nuts, and I'm going to say the Brewers sweep the series. I can see that. I mean – When you factor heart- in how good the Brewers have been on the road, I don't see home field advantage being that much of an advantage for the Braves. Um, I think the Brewers pitching is just too good. And in the playoffs, man, and we got our two horses going at home. And, you know, I mean, I could see Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta, you know, they're without Acuna yet, right? Right. So, oh, man, he's so good, too. So, without him, I mean, I know the Braves have, you know, they really got hot, you know, at the end of the season here. They've been pretty good. But the Phillies kind of, eh. Now, that's a bad division. Um, but that's a that's a bad division. I could I could see us sweeping. I can I can see us I can see us three zero in, taking a little break because yep. if the Dodgers and Giants play or the Dodger and or the Giants and Cardinals play, nobody's sweeping that. That's gonna be a hell. That's gonna be a five game series. That'll be a great five game. That's gonna be yeah. That's gonna be a grinder. Fan, man. I mean, yep. Giant Giants and Cardinals right there. That's two teams that like. You know, traditionally they've been pretty good in baseball. They both are kind of overachievers in a ways, like especially the Giants winning that. Yeah, I mean, Gabe Kapler is probably going to win Manager of the Year. Yeah, and you know I have that written down too. Gabe Kapler probably Manager of the Year. Um, but I mean, everything considered, that'd be a great series. And I kind of hope it's the Giants who, if you know, when we make it, if when we make it to the NLCS, I kind of want it to be the Giants, just. So me and you can talk shit to Dick, just so we can have that week and a half of us just going at each other and just maybe we can join the show if we face off in NLCS. We should put that feeler out. We'll see. I'm, I'm sure he'd be up for it. Yeah. All right. You got anything else about the Brewers before they start the playoffs? No, man. I am legitimately super excited about this year's team. It feels different, man. It feel it really does feel different. I f- I feel the same way about the Brewers that I felt about the Bucks going into yeah. that playoffs. That it's like you know they have you know they have some of these ugly things looking over their shoulders, but yeah. I feel like they're ready for what they're going into. Um, I feel their coaching has them prepared for what they're doing. Um, I really don't think Craig Council gets the respect that he deserves as a manager, um, just because he kind of came in as you know like an analytics guy, and you know David Stearns fits that bill too. But, you know, like the Brewers have the, you know, can they do enough with their hitting to win looking over their shoulder? Whereas the Bucks had the, you know, they've been eliminated early the last two years from the playoffs looking over their shoulder. And they're, you know, they're facing the, you know, the big bad, you know, it was the big bad Brooklyn Nets and now it's the big bad LA Dodgers. So, I mean, it, it feels very similar to me looking at it in that aspect. Man, it's... It really would be crazy, man. It'd be the year of Milwaukee, and I'm all for it, buddy. How many years we've had to struggle, and you know, people, you know, people call us bandwagons, you know, because the Bucks just won, and it's like you don't understand what it was like to be a Bucks fan you in know, 2012. Charlie, you know, Charlie Bell, and you know, we still love Ursa and Ilya Silva, like you recall John Salmons, yeah, and like Ruben yeah. Patterson. All of the all of the red and green years were bad. Yeah, I mean, it's and you know the kind of the, yeah, that was 
that was some bad times. And, you know, and we just grew up with the Bucks, and, you know, the Brewers were, were pretty bad for stretches there. I mean, we had a lot of fun as kids, you know, like 2008 and shit. Like, we that was all, 26 we years players. since the Brewers had made the playoffs when they made it in 2008. Yeah, I mean, we've really had the grind, you know, and, you know, the next team we're going to talk about, the Badgers, they've been consistent. They've been winning, and now they're having a rough season where we, you know, and that as Wisconsin fans, you know, that's what I'm trying to say. You know, everybody's, like, talking about, uh, you know, the Packers, you know, if Rodgers leaves, like, oh, you guys don't know what it's like. Like, I always tell everybody, like, dude, I've been a Bucks fan through everything. You know, I've seen us scrap and claw and be 40 and 42 just to, just to get swept or win one game against the, the Bulls in the first round. That didn't stop me from being a fan. Yep. Same thing with the Brewers. I've seen us have the worst record in the league, Brewers and Bucks. It's not going to stop me from being a Packers fan. You know, the Badgers, how they look right now, it's not attractive to watch, man. It's tough to yep. watch. It's tough to swallow. Yep. You know, especially because it has the state I live in, the pride. You know, like, I love being from Wisconsin. I'm very prideful. And, you know, it has that that name attached to it. So it's tough to watch sometimes. But sometimes, you know, being a, being a real loyal fan, this is what you go through, man. Um, yeah. It happened at times with the Badgers basketball team last year. Yeah. And, you know, this year, we don't know what to expect because they were bad, you know, and we got a lot of new faces and, and new places and we got the same coach. And, you know, in, in a few weeks we'll, when we do our primer, I'm, I'm very excited for that. I mean, the Jonathan Davis show is definitely coming. And glad you brought that up because that's a perfect segue into it. Last week, I dude, I've been talking about Kim and Ray DK for three weeks now. Yep. And last week I made the comparison that I'm excited about Kimberay DK the same way I'm excited about Jonathan Davis. Kimberay DK, he only finished with two catches for 54 yards and a touchdown, but they were two fantastic catches and a nuts touchdown. They were so they we were got handed. to see one real quick camera flash of the type of stuff that I'm looking for from Kimberay DK. He made two fantastic catches in that game. And unfortunately, it was probably, I would say, easily the best stretch of football that Graham Mertz has played this entire season. And then right after that, he got hurt. Dude, I wanted to talk about Mertz, man, because I actually I actually kind of felt bad for him on Saturday. I mean, he's standing in the pocket, and he's just getting freaking plowed and bashed into and falling on and, and clawed and punched, and it's like – this guy's showing me some toughness, man. Like, this young kid is standing in the pocket getting his ass whooped. He's only a sophomore. I know. I mean, I don't want to give up on him because he is only a kid. And we got to realize that he's a student athlete. Like, I've always been one of those people, like, I'm not, like, totally against student athletes getting paid. But also, I want them to earn that pay. Like, you are a student athlete. That is the word. That is the phrase. You get the grades. You get the play. Then, okay. Then you can Wisconsin is Wisconsin is absolutely the embodiment of that because yes. they have such high academic standards. Yes. And that's why, you know, guys like back in the day, like Diamond Stone, who was a five-star recruit, ended up being a flameout. Um, he couldn't get in, you know, because he couldn't get the grades. He wasn't smart enough. I mean, it's kind of fitting that his name was – his last name was Stone because apparently that's how big his brain was. But <laughs> <laughs> going from there back to Mertz. That was a stretch, but I'm not going to lie. He's got a tiny little brain. You should have said he was dumb as a rock. He could have done that. That would have been a better no, pun. Yeah, the tiny stone brain. Um, <laughs> so Mertz, he's showing toughness. He's standing in the pocket. 
I mean, they weren't good throws, I think, but they were pretty good throws for the pressure and the circumstances coming into it. I but, mean, they were put where only the receiver could catch them. The two that right. he made to DK. But that first catch that DK made, where he stretched out with just yeah, he lost him. And he was getting hit as he caught it. I was like, that was that was an NFL catch. That's what yeah. that was. Um, he threw the dime in the end zone, and you know, DK came down with it. I mean, Mertz showed me a few things. He showed me some flashes, and that's what I want to see out of young guys. I don't, you know, I don't expect these young guys. I mean, he was a highly recruited player. Not everybody's gonna come in and throw for 400 yards and you know, rush for this and do this. He's not gonna be crazy every week. But if you show me growth after you had a, yep. your worst game ever, you yep. show me growth. Yeah. That gives me hope. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So from this moment on, we know we know two things. We know Merch has the ability because he showed it. That was a tough game. And Michigan's a tough defense. They're a good team this year. He got his ass whooped. He stood in there. And we know that Wolf is 100,000% not the answer. Uh, yep. I said that a couple weeks ago when people were calling for Mertz's head that Chase Wolf is not no. is not a better option. Absolutely not. I'm gonna let you go now. I I have some stats, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I want your your thoughts. So my thoughts are Chase Wolf made one good throw, mm-hmm. and it was caught for a touchdown. But he made one good throw. Yep. Um, my biggest takeaway with the offense was Mertz started to get some rhythm going and then got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um. This is going to be something we talk about in the preview, but the offensive line needs to be better. That's that's what this entire offense hinges on, the run game and the pass game. The offensive line needs to be better. Yeah, man. That's... There's really no way around that. Um, none of the running backs looked great because they couldn't get past the offensive line. Uh, Braylon Allen was probably the best-looking running back, which is you know an unfortunate truth, but that's what it is. Um sticking with the offensive line needing to be better. The Badgers had 30 dropbacks in this game. Michigan had pressure on 18 of them. That's just it's not okay. That's that's 60% of your dropbacks are under pressure. That's insane. That's what I'm saying, man. Mertz got his ass whooped, dude. Uh, Jake Ferguson also left this game. He's questionable for Saturday. Mertz is also questionable. He has been practicing. Um, he doesn't have any broken ribs or anything, so it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be like a left side contusion or whatever. Like I'm sure he's got bruising and stuff, but um, I'm sure he was sore for two days afterwards too. But um, I do think Graham Mertz is probably going to play in this game. Um, but the the defense. It continues to be really the lone bright spot of the team. Um, it just there's so much need for improvement. Um, as far as you know, questioning how the defense can still be considered good when they gave up 38 points. Um, that goes into when we talked about the Packers about winning a field position battle. If you're constantly turning the ball over as an offense and putting your defense in a short field situation where they have to stop a team from the 30 yard line two minutes after they were just out there for a long drive, like being tired and then going into a situation where you have to go and defend again after you just got done, uh, you know, playing defense. um, That's a, that's a grind. And I mean, you can't, you can't expect them to stop every single possession after that. 
Uh, I will say I was proud of the defense for um, after the 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 punt where um, it was number twenty four. I'm not even sure what his name was. Um, let the punt bounce into his leg, and Michigan jumped on it on like the five yard line. I was proud of the defense for holding Michigan to three points there. Yeah, like that that's, was that's a bright spot for the defense is holding them to to three points after getting the ball in the red zone right after getting off the field. I mean, you just you can't have that. We're the Badgers are just kind of in a situation where like it, it rains it pours. They they do one bad thing, and the team all of a sudden gets this mindset like, oh shit, it's happening again. But it's a snowball. Snowball, yeah. It's just because it absolutely happened in the Notre Dame game. It absolutely snowballed yes. away from them. Yes. It's so that's. Pretty. All right. Well, you have anything else on uh, on the recap side? Um, you know, you brought up the offensive line. I knew you would, because um, I wanted to talk about this. Michigan had 44 rushing attempts for 112 yards. The Badgers, 32 for 43. That is God freaking awful. You know, I'm just so used to Wisconsin just having these big, giant, 330-pound mammoths just lay on you for 60 minutes, and we just rush for 250 yards. It's like I had to watch Melvin Gordon and Jonathan Taylor highlights after the game because I was like, I need to feel good about this red W again. Ah, God, because the Badgers basketball season ended ugly. We're starting ugly, you know, Badgers football. Like, I don't know. And now we play Illinois. And if somebody would have bet me that the Badgers would have a worse record than Illinois when we met, I would have laughed in their face. And, but that's the situation we're in right now. This is Brett Bielema's Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. I did not even know that. And everybody's like, how are you going to talk about Big Ten football? I'm like, I've told everybody, like, dude, I don't pay attention to Illinois. Sorry. Nope. I just hold Wisconsin to a higher standard. <laughs> I just Absolutely. don't need to pay attention to Illinois. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is um, – Illinois just broke a uh, four-game losing streak versus Charlotte, Charlotte College. That's who they beat last week. I saw that, yeah. So if anybody wants to question the Badgers for beating Eastern Michigan as their get-right game, um, yeah, Illinois just beat Charlotte. Um, <laughs> uh, Illinois coming in 2-2, two two, uh, allowing 418 yards per game. Yep. Wisconsin's only allowing 250 yep. and still only 46.8 running yards per game. Yeah, up from 25, which is crazy. The Badgers' defense, especially against opposing run games, still very, very good. Sanborn oh, yeah. is going to be is going to be a probably a first or second round pick. Oh, the way that he's going, he's, he's he's nuts. And Chanel is very all good too. over the field, and Chanel is going to be probably first team All Big Ten. Yeah, and he's, he's honestly, and Herbig, he might end up being like a big, like a Big Ten honorable mention because he's playing really well. So the Badgers have three really good linebackers. That seems to be like the hallmark of the Badgers. Like um, last year, it was Sanborn, and and you had guys like Zach Bond and Chris Orr, and now it's now it's Sanborn, Chanel, and Herbig. Three really good linebackers. Um, 
I actually like what I'm seeing from the defensive line. Keanu Benton is playing well. Uh, Matt Henningsen is actually turning out to be a pretty solid defensive end. So I like what I'm seeing from the front from the front seven of the Badgers. I really enjoy watching it. Um, the secondary it needs some work. It's not it's not great. It's not horrible, but it is susceptible to the big play. Um, Notre Dame showed that. Michigan showed that. They both scored long touchdowns. Penn State got the their offense going with the long ball. So that's something the Badgers need to work on. But I mean, that being said, I'm still excited for the Badgers defense. Um, the Badgers offense, it's, the game hinges on the offensive line. 100%. Because the Badgers need to get in the rhythm with the run game and the passing game. Um, Mertz needs to start building some momentum after, like Jake said, that he started to show some some signs of improvement, some some good things. He just needs to build that momentum and uh, get some rhythm going. Yeah. Um, they just be, and they need to get all their playmakers involved. Pryor, Davis, Ferguson, DK, uh, Malusi, Berger. You mean working in Braylon Allen a little bit. Um, Clay Cundiff's made some nice catches this season. I mean, they just need to spread the ball. They have the guys to do it. Um, if Chris can work up some things to get guys open quickly, whether it be some wide receiver screens type type stuff, some jet sweeps to get the you know the ball into their their playmakers' hands. Um, and get the, the opposing defense on their heels instead of being able to stand over the offensive line as, you know, we know we're going to be able to get pressure on 60% of your dropbacks, or we know we're going to be able to hold your running backs to two yards of carry. The Badgers, they got to start getting creative with the play calls so they can get the defenses on their heels. So that's where I'm at with this game. Um, what do you got with this one? Um, you know, a lot of the same things. I, I really... I need to see some positive things from this offensive line, man, because I, I haven't seen it yet this year. I mean, Merch is getting his ass kicked. Running backs are getting their ass kicked. I mean, we hear about Malusi. He hasn't been able to get loose, really. Um, he had a couple nice runs against Penn State. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, we've really been held in check. I mean, Eastern Michigan, I'm not even considering that game because that's just Eastern Michigan. Right. So, the other, you know, the other three games is those are real college football teams. Um, so that's what I'm holding it to. It almost feels like the Badgers are the ones averaging 46 rush yards a game. That's really honestly what it feels like at times, man, because we're just getting stuffed at the line, mm-hmm. getting two yards for on 10 carries. And it's like, golly, man. Well, like, I mean, with, with the, the Penn State and the Notre Dame games, they just abandoned the run so early they didn't have a chance to break one. Right, right. That's, but, you know, that's their hallmark is they, they, you know, they wear defenses down and then they break a huge, long touchdown. And they just, right. they've only had that against Eastern Michigan. Yeah, uh, at the end of the game, too. But uh, right. I don't know. Uh, I'm looking for the, the Badgers to start getting back to some winning ways here. Yep. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, the Illinois is a bad football team. They are bad. Uh, they are a Big Ten team, but they are probably the worst, I would say. Not just looking at records, but they're pretty freaking bad. Um, if the Badgers, who are minus 10, do not cover or win this game, I am going to be insanely pissed off. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Um, I'm going to give you my weather report, and then I'm going to give you my score prediction. All right. Hit me with it. And we will find out what you think. Uh, weather right. report um, in Illinois, it is going to be 82 degrees. 
Uh, winds south southeast at ten to fifteen miles an hour. So I mean that's not much not terrible. That's football weather. Yeah, um, that's warm football weather, honestly. Yeah, it says uh, clouds. You know, accumulating okay. more as the game goes on. All right. Um, but I have the Badgers winning thirty to thirteen. Hmm. I think we can. I think this is a team that we can gain some confidence. You know, this is our second get right game of the year. I think we're going to pound them and. I think Mertz is going to have a good game. Just don't turn the ball over and, you know, gain some rhythm, man. This okay. is funny. So we we do score predictions, and we talk about the Packers, and we both imagine the Bengals scoring 24 points. And now we're talking about the Badgers. I have the Badgers winning 24 to 13. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just like, kind of take an average. Did we? Our defense. Like what? Just the Eastern Michigan team, the game too. We both predicted forty-five to three. Yeah, like, like we that. like we are on the same wavelength on score predictions. Our defense is good, man. Our defense is really freaking good. I think Illinois may get like a garbage touchdown or something, but I could see them scoring. Honestly, I could see them scoring a deep touchdown. I see that the Badgers like a, like defense, a forty-yarder or something like that. You know, when you were you were talking about you know the DBs and stuff. I was gonna say the one thing that this defense is not good at is when they get stretched, and it's not it's not horizontally; it's vertically when they get stretched. Yes. That's when they have the issues. But other than that, this defense is, in my opinion, if they had a, a good offense, this is one of the top five defenses in the country. This is a championship level winning defense, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if if you play with a lead and teams have to throw deep on you, you can obviously be better at guarding that, right? Right. But because you're shutting down the run so much, if we had a quarterback, you know, lighting up, averaging 38 to 40 points a game, you know, we're just killing people. This defense would destroy people. They'd be like comparing us to Alabama, dude. That's really how I feel. I mean, we're only giving up 46 rush yards a game, and you know, we're one in three. People still can't run on us. So yeah, even with big leads, yeah, yeah, it is what it is, man. I think uh, I don't know. This, this team uh, has a chance. Yeah. So, I mean, Jake and I, we both said it 15 times. This game hinges on the offensive line. Yep. All right. You have anything else Badger related? Um, win. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. So, just want to throw a couple things out there with the Bucks. Um. They announced their new radio announcer. It's Dave Kane coming over from Virginia. Um, I couldn't find any calls of any games that he did. Um, I found some interviews that he did, but his voice sounds good. So I'm excited for that to hear Dave Kane on the radio for the Bucs. They started a preseason game last night. Uh, It only went three quarters because there was a fire alarm in the building. Um, So they only played three quarters against the Grizzlies last night. But um, did, you, did you see uh, Middleton and Holiday grabbing all the food, bro? I saw that walking all that was like boxes of the barbecue. <laughs> I was like, hey, you can't forget the food, man. So the Bucks' first game is on October 19th. Next Wednesday is October 13th. So we are going to do our Milwaukee Bucks primer next week. Uh, we're going to give some predictions for the season. I'll uh, do like a record prediction, which we didn't check on our record prediction for the Brewers. I'm going to flip to the front of my Brewers notes to see if I can find my record prediction that I had for oh, the Brewers. Man, but mine's in a whole other notebook, man. I have to I'm at the end of my notebook. Like we I, I know long... I was at like, I think I was at like 90 or like 92 or something or 88 or something. 
I think I had the Brewers around 90 running 90 games winning too. But yeah, um, I think I think we both had uh us and the Cardinals as one two though. I know that we had the Reds up there. I think we had the order correct. We it was we definitely knew. gonna be close. Yeah, we knew um, the, we all knew the Pirates were gonna suck though. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that yeah, I don't think that was uh surprising by anybody. The 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 pirates they own the basement. Yeah, um it's theirs. <laughs> so Next week we're going to preview Prime for the uh, the Bucks season. Um, yeah, we'll do some predictions. Um, we'll talk about the Bucks media days. Um, you know what's what's going on with the team. Um, for me, I got it right here. I had the Brewers winning ninety games, Cardinals winning eighty eight, Cubs winning eighty, Reds winning seventy six, Pirates winning sixty six. So um, Brewers really won nice. ninety five games. So I was close. But you were really really nice to the Cubs, man. I was, yeah. I mean, they had a good roster. They just sucked. And then, like I said, that that fire sale got really kicked off by the Brewers. So, um, pretty happy with that. But I did get the Reds having a meltdown right. So, I'll take that. Hey, I'm with it. I'm with it. All right. So, yeah. Next week, we're going to have uh, Bucks Primer. And then, uh, less than a month from now, it's coming up quick already, that the, yeah, the live show, November 4th, uh, Thursday night, 6.30, Green Bay Parker Johns. Come and hang out with us. We're going to have a lot of Packer discussion. Uh, we'll have a lot of fun with that. So, um, You got anything else this week? No, man. I'm ready for some wins. Some playoff All wins. Right. Uh, yes. Some Packers wins. Hopefully let's a Packers win. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, let's get three dubs. Yes, sir. Let's Hey, let's get it, man. Let's and get then four dubs. Play, four actually, dubs. Saturday, Saturday, they play. Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, four yeah, dubs. yeah. So we need four dubs, and then, you know, we'll talk about the third dub next week. All right. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Later, buddy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.